Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Christian Buddy Show. I am now honored to have Brian Sanders, Food Lies, on our podcast. And I understand that you have a long-winded resume, so I don't want to have an attempt at recounting your resume, but do you mind giving a brief explanation to the audience who you are and what you've been up to? Sure, Mm -hmm. yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so Brian Sanders, yeah, born and raised in Hawaii. I uh, was a mechanical engineer, actually, so I kind of have this scientific background, and I think it's helpful sometimes to come uh, into this health and nutrition world, but from a different place. A lot of my doctor friends are a little kind of caught up in the system of what they're taught and then they have to unlearn it all. And I kind of came at it from a different angle, personal health stories, family health stories. I lost both my parents at a, around when I was 30. And so they, you know, they got the same chronic diseases that so many people are getting, right? So it kind of woke me up and, and I kind of realized, hey, this isn't right. This isn't what, you know, is supposed to happen to humans. And it's also kind of when I started not being able to eat whatever I wanted anymore. You know, if anyone who's 30 or above, it's kind of the the time when you just can't eat whatever you want. Even though I was, you know, athletic running around town, mm-hmm. it's it still, it, it, things creep up on you. Had all these little problems I didn't really know that I had or I thought were normal, right? People just saying, oh yeah, you're, you know, this is what happens. You can't, you know, do all the things you used to do and you, your knees hurt when you like go out like t- on a l- short hike and you have allergies and it doesn't that. And then it all went away once I changed my diet. And so right. that's kind of my quick health journey is I, I made some simple dietary changes. Uh, my health got better. Um, and then I started going uh, full, full force on a film called Food Lies that I'm making. I started my company Sapien, work with Dr. Gary, started nose to tails, help people get grass fed, grass finished meat. So basically all my uh, endeavors kind of revolve around this health world now for the past four years full time. Fantastic. And before we get into the the, the nutrition side of this podcast, I'm actually curious about your, your previous life. Uh, you, you founded a tech company. I'm just curious about that experience. Um, what was the tech company called? Oh, well, I, I tried a few things, but uh, the one I sold was called Penned and it was for writers. It was a little bit like Instagram, but for writers and you could post stories and make chapters and, you know, just kind of this thing that I landed on and it built a little community. Yeah, learned a lot, right? Just how to build a community, how to just even use social media and just start something from scratch. And so great learning experience. You learned design, learned all kinds of stuff that have been helpful in everything that I do. Fantastic. All right. And now I guess your journey now you're on making the the uh, documentary Food Lies and it's all about exposing the nutritional lies that we're, that we've mm-hmm. been told. So uh, I guess the first question in that space would be what and it's a bit of a general question but what is the most nutrient dense food in your opinion? Oh man. Well, I guess if you just look at the numbers, it's it's beef liver. <laughs> if you beef really, liver. yeah, beef liver is where it's at. Uh, some of the other organs are probably up there and oysters. Yeah, I mean, the two nutrient, most nutrient dense foods I'd say are, are beef liver and oysters. And I try to eat those all the time. But it's not like you have to make your diet, you know, consi- primarily consisting of those foods. Those just happen to be the ones with the most concentrated nutrients. Yeah, right. Okay. And I I've heard on the on the grapevine that you're you're a little bit against um is it correct to say that you're against veganism or you're you're um disputing their claims? Is that uh, kind of yeah, I mean, I, I find <laughs> myself in a war. I, I try to not make it a war, but people come after me. The vegan community tends to come after me and I tend to have to always debunk their crazy claims and their crazy films it's why i started making my film is i watched what the health four years ago and you know it's one of these classic vegan propaganda films that are not scientific and they're based on basically animal rights which is fine but they need to just say that it's an animal rights film <laughs> but they always try to make it about nutrition and the environment and that's it's just it's not true you know all their claims about nutrition and the environmental toll of animal foods is is not true and I mean, some of it's true. I mean, yeah, if you do factory farming chickens and you have a million chickens in one warehouse, that's not good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we can get into all the different things um, that they claim and, and why it's not true. Yeah, you, you posted, I, I was looking at your Instagram, you posted something from Rich Roll 
And he, he, I think he expressed it very, very efficiently. He, he mentioned that, um, I think there's a con, there's a, there's a concept that because you're, you're not eating meat, you're not causing any harm. And that's just not true because it's, it's quite, it's very difficult to not, to not be causing harm. Anything we do where we're still causing harm on planet earth. So, uh, there's a kind of a misconception there that, uh, I kind of fell into as well. So it's, 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 in, it's interesting that there's so much yeah, in, uh, information there. Well, yeah. What I found is a simple truth for, for something to live, something must die and you can't get around it. And, you know, vegans will try to say, oh, well, I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't intentionally kill an animal. So therefore I'm out of the system, but you're not out of the system. There, there is death and everything. And, you can't escape it and you can, you know, pretend you're not a part of it and you could sit in a city and, you know, be an animal rights activist in a coffee shop and just kind of not know what the reality is. But when you go to the farm and the, the ranch and you figure out how, how it actually works, and that's what the clip I posted was with a great farmer who uses plants and animals together. Great, you know, di uh, organic farm in LA. His, his name is uh oh john john and molly from the biggest little farm there's a whole film i encourage people to look up the biggest little farm great documentary and they talk about all the animals that die to grow crops there are poisoning animals they're shooting animals they have to uh well really to grow crops you have to wipe out entire ecosystems of plants and animals to clear the land to grow all these plant foods so no matter what there is a, a death toll uh, when yeah, when you produce food, so yeah, I mean, I get it. Maybe you want to try to find the least amount of death, right? And I think the least amount of death would be. I'm not a carnivore, but I'm friends with a lot of the the carnivore people out there. If you've you know seen seen the rise yes. of the carnivore people, but <laughs> I, I'd say that the least amount of death you could do would be to eat to to raise a cow on grass, you know, grass fed, grass finished cattle, you know, and beef and uh eat that for a year <laughs> and then you'd kill the one animal and you know i there wouldn't be much other deaths associated with your food and you could live on it i mean maybe it's two cows depends on how big you are uh you, you could live off of the organs and all the stuff going on and yeah i mean obviously you'd have to eat s some more things but that would be the least death <laughs> so it's yeah it's just a longer story once you get into these details and it's not as simple as the vegans make it out to be yeah, I think at the root, I, I mean, if you kind of look at the root of of all this um, uh, this misinformation, it's there's kind of like a convenience. Like people want that convenience; they want to be able to go to the supermarket, pick up uh, anything, and then not have to think about it ever after. So, uh, yeah, I, I think conveniences can be can be our worst enemy at times. Well. It's how he, how it, how health declines. If you're talking about just the the yeah the production of food and the costs that it involved in that, or even just why people get fat or sick or whatever is, be, I think it is convenience. Yeah, it's like the modern modern society is super convenient and it's made to be easy. Actually, I just posted this today. It's like people want the easy way out. It's harder to make food than to go to get fast food. It's harder to go to the gym than watch Netflix. It's harder to even look up information than just accept what's, you know, the easy way out. It's just, oh, well, I heard that cows are bad for the environment. But to actually figure out the real story, it takes hundreds of hours, you know, of research to really dig down. So it's, it's always a bit harder to do the correct thing, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um I want to I want to say something a bit controversial, and uh, sure. maybe I can get your opinion on it. But uh, I'm not an I'm not an immuno immunologist. I believe that's the mm -hmm. word immun immunologist. But would it be fair to make the argument that the impact of coronavirus was caused by an aggregation of unhealthy people who continually made bad decisions throughout their life and compromising health, discarding those with genetic dispositions to the virus? I'm talking about specifically the individuals who discarded a proper diet and proper exercise. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a bit of a crazy claim, but uh, what well, are your opinion? That's interesting. Well, it depends on how much you, you want to zoom out. I mean, in like a loose sense that you could make a case for that's what happened. 
I mean, it's like all of the diseases. It's, if you just think of, yeah, in the broadest sense that why, why do we have, you know, millions of people dying of heart disease and cancer every year worldwide? And it's because the same thing. It's because we went away from a natural diet and we started taking the easy way out and we just ate these modern foods and yeah, just became unhealthy. So in that sense, yes. So then, then COVID is just one more thing that comes along and preys on people with weakened immune systems and weakened metabolic health. But um, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to say that, but it you know what I mean? I, I get the point it's of controversial it. idea. <laughs> no, no, but I get the point of it. The point of it is, mm. or the essence of that argument is, is semi-true is that all the chronic conditions and diseases and viruses and all this stuff are a bit because of modern stuff or even modern agriculture. You could, you could blame factory farming of plants and animals as well in that mix where, you know, things, things tend to go wrong when we do things at industrial scales. What's the solution? Well, I do think about that a lot. And I think it's to go back to mixed systems and uh, regenerative systems, mixed systems, meaning plants and animals together. You know, I, I know people doing them like actually John and Molly from Biggest Little Farm, they're doing that. They have the plants and animals growing together and they're doing it at a pretty big scale. You know, they're making a living, they're selling it to their community. And there's a guy, Gabe Brown, who's a regenerative rancher, and he does uh, this stuff on 5,000 acres up in, I think, North Dakota, and maybe South Dakota. And he's doing, you know, he's making a living, and he's producing a lot of food. 5,000 acres is, is a lot. So um, I'd say it's a long road. You'd have to get rid of a lot of this corn, wheat, and soy subsidies and, and a lot of these monocrops. And instead of relying on those foods, those very nutrient poor foods, we would convert a lot of that land or just use other land to raise more animals like cows and steers and, and grow um, higher, higher quality foods that can provide better nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And are you, um, so I'm just curious about what your diet is because you mentioned uh, you're not, you're not carnivore. I'm, I'm guessing you're in the middle. You're kind of, you take the best of both worlds, I'm assuming. I do take the best worlds of both worlds, but I'm not saying the middle per se. In the middle, I used to eat more of like this quote balanced diet thing, you know, and I used to follow the food pyramid type of thing or, you know, those kind of guidelines and it didn't work out for me. Uh, I shifted more to the animal based side and that's when everything got better for me and my whole body composition changed. I, I lost four, four pant sizes actually just by... I never counted calories. I never did anything different exercise wise. I just changed the foods I ate and moved more towards animal foods and got rid of the processed, you know, sugars and flours and uh, vegetable oils. And it just, my body just completely changed and my health changed. So yeah, I'm sort of on that, that I get my, the bulk of my nutrition from animal foods. And then I, yeah, I, I picked the best of both worlds. And then I eat the key plant foods that are delicious and provide other nutrients that the animal foods don't have as much of and uh, that have lower anti-nutrients. A lot of people don't know that plant foods have anti-nutrients in them. They, they don't want to be eaten and they have sort of defense systems that kind of block nutrient absorption. And so you have to kind of watch out for that. I've heard about that. So is the, the idea that they're, they're trying to defend themselves so they, they let off this um, anti-defense system? Is that, is that the idea behind it? A little mm. bit. I mean, kind of, yeah. So they most, mainly protect themselves from bugs, you know, right. and all these different insects and things that try to eat them. And they they just have things in them like oxalates, phytates, these things that are, uh, yeah, the, the different animals don't like them. They make them sick and they actually make humans sick. I mean, there's a whole vegan webpage about the dangers of anti-nutrients and oxalates, for example. I've heard of many vegans, even personally, I just, you know, I meet people around town and they're like, oh, yeah, my yeah, my mom's vegan and she had a kidney stone. And it's like, well, kidney stone is made of calcium oxalate. It's basically eating like a whole tons of spinach, and kale and all these foods with high oxalates in them. And they build up over time in your kidney and you have problems and they block nutrient absorption. Like say the, the iron in spinach isn't you're not getting all of that iron. You know, vegans will, oh, you're getting so much iron from spinach. I mean, yeah, if you it, it seems like it's in there, but you're not your body's not able to use it because some of these these anti nutrients like oxalates or phytates or 
any number of these things block them, uh, block absorption of them in your system. Well, um, I'm gonna tell Popeye that he's not as he's not as strong as what what he thought he would be. <laughs> um, uh, no, that's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess, uh, do you have any? Because I know you're a man of science, and I've I've read your website, your food lies. Where you've got a, quite an extensive list of articles there. Are there any that kind of come to mind that are floating around in your in your mind now um, that you can share with the audience that are very impactful and very uh, mm. uh, well, the, yeah, there's so many, there's so many topics. I mean, pick a topic and I can tell you right. one, but uh, pick a topic. Um, well, the, okay. I'll, 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 I'll do one while you're thinking, but okay. a big one for me that in the past year was the, the internal medicine field has a journal called the annals of internal medicine and they per published five articles pretty much exonerating red meat saying red meat is healthy. It is fine. There's not that there, you know, there's been claims for well, I don't know how long, many years, actually many decades, there have been claims that red meat is bad for you. And especially in 2015, the, w, the WHO, the World Health Organization, deemed it you know, carcinogenic. And basically this, these five papers said that they, the meta-analysis from all the papers that have been published on saturated fat, red meat, all this type of stuff, they said that it's not of concern. There's, not, there's no evidence that it's negative to people's health. Which of course makes sense. It's it's you know we've been eating meat for all of history. It's w partly how we became human is by eating meat and animal foods. So why would it be? <laughs> why would it be harmful? Yeah. And uh, switching gears now, you recently was it recent or a long time ago? You you went to Africa. Mm -hmm. um, that would have been a pretty cool experience. Do you mind sharing that experience? Oh yeah. That was recently, it was, it was this year, 2021, February. I went to Tanzania and Uganda for the film, for Food Lies, and we were spending time with these hunter-gatherer tribes that still live how they used to, and they're still amazingly healthy. They live long. They don't have any of this chronic disease that, I mean, some of it's creeping in. The people who modernize, right? Some of these groups are starting to eat the modern foods and or they're moving into villages and they're they're having some of these same problems but if they are still eating their natural diets without the modern foods i met a lady who was supposed to be 120 years old you know i didn't see her birth certificate <laughs> she didn't have one but you know she, i saw her daughter her youngest daughter was 90 she had uh, six generations they all were around so she was the sixth generation she was saying yeah i grew up in the forest we trap animals she did meat meat three times a day um, and it's been sort of a steady decline since they, they got off that diet. The Maasai, uh, in Tanzania, we spent time with, they're the ones that famously drink blood and milk. They eat, um, meat, blood and milk. The men do at least wow, much of their intense. life. Yeah, we did it. We ate it with the, it was great. We, uh, we got some of the blood and milk and drank it fresh. It was, so it was is it just, the, is it the blood of the cow or what? Yeah. And you just drink they, it. Just they drink it. Yeah, yeah. So they find they have their, their little herd and their little they have the grass huts. They kind of move around every six months and they grab one of them. They rotate, you know, they just take like a, a couple like a liter or two out. Just like if you're to draw blood, you give like, I don't know what a liter. They'll they'll take the equivalent for a big cow would be, you know, three liters. So they'll take three liters out and the whole group will drink. So uh, well, first they get the milk, right? So the fresh raw milk in a bucket, like a tin container. And then they'll put they'll they'll hit a artery uh, with a little arrow that just punctures it really quick, and then it sprays out. And then they collect it in the tin with the the milk, and then everyone drinks it, and that's their breakfast. And that's like straight nutrition. Wow. It's like all they really need. Yeah, it's their breakfast, and then they go out for their day, and then they come back, and then they have that for dinner. Jesus, that's. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's my mind's different... blown at the moment. I was I was yeah, gonna yeah, have yeah. toast. I was gonna have toast with peanut butter for for breakfast. Um, uh huh. Okay. I mean, no, but they're super tall, strong, healthy, amazing teeth, amazing health. I'm not saying that this is what we should do. I'm just saying that this is something that disproves a lot of the theories in the modern health world, right? And that it's a it's a perfectly fine way to have great nutrition and be healthy and strong. And you mentioned seed oils. Um, uh, I'm just curious about seed. So you is are these these have a negative 
thing about them, the seed oils? Yeah, so there's a lot of evidence this about this. You can look back a hundred years to Weston Price that traveled around the world and kind of did what I did is, you know, he visited these cultures that lived how they used to live. And he found that they uh, had perfect health and they had great pregnancies, easy pregnancies, great kids growing strong, all the things, right? And that as soon as they started eating the modern foods, like the the flour and the sugar and the, the vegetable oils, the seed oils that came in, they immediately had health consequences. So Weston Price started figuring this out a hundred years ago. And it's only kind of been more proven with the modern science. And the, the science is, is a bit hard to do. And so there's there's some authorities saying that we should be eating more of these oils, these highly processed oils that we just invented a hundred years ago. Uh, you know, these American Heart Association, these people with, you know, I think have a lot of conflicts of interest and, you know, are funded by the food industry and people who produce these oils. But we have a lot of modern science to show that these are actually bad for us. And, you know, they say, oh, it lowers your, your LDL cholesterol or something. But, you know, that's a whole nother discussion is, is about cholesterol and, and what we know about it and, and different patterns of eating can lead to different cholesterols and, and different health. Right. And so, uh, yeah, if you, if you kind of look at a lot of the science, if you look at ancient cultures, if you look at modern cultures, like I, I was in Uganda after Tanzania and we saw a bunch of people they're eating all whole foods right in uganda they can't even afford fast food or restaurant food it's just they just have food right it's just food they eat bananas and they eat meat and milk and fruits and vegetables and that's all they have and they all were very healthy yeah. and actually both of these speaking of covid tanzania you, these people they didn't have COVID. like the president they didn't even recognize it as a thing no zero people had a mask. There was nothing going on there. It was just everyone just was pretty healthy and living their life. And they were jammed into wow. small buses and the whole year they didn't they didn't do anything. And you know that's a whole nother story as well. But well, part of it, sorry, I, I kind of got off track. But the, okay. the, they are pretty healthy. They are eating whole foods, and they were doing great. And they they were not like Americans, you know, walking around eating fast food and obese and have three comorbidities and, you know, these different diseases that cause the worst COVID outcomes. They, uh, but then they did in Uganda in this place, they were eating all these seed oils. So they did bring in these, these cooking oils, they call them. And you could see that the, the ladies in their middle age, were becoming very obese and were having problems. And my idea, well, I don't know what else it could have been from because they don't have fast food. They didn't have tons like other, in, I, I mean, the, the, the whole thing they had was seed oils, right? And then knowing, you know, what I know about them and how they are not the the fats you want to make your body up of, you, you know, the, when you eat them, they do a lot of things and they, they oxidize easily, right? And, and especially when they're heated, and which they're doing over there, they're they're frying their chicken and French fries in the vegetable oil. They become highly oxidized and they become inflammatory. And a lot of people, a lot of smart doctors and scientists I've interviewed, believe that that's what is you know pushing all the type two diabetes and obesity and all these problems, which I did see with these ladies, especially in middle age. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think. Bringing it back to the theme of, of what I mentioned at the start of the podcast about convenience, I think that really plays a massive factor in in the health and well-being of, of individuals around the world. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, as I said, I'm not an expert or I'm not a doctor, but I, I, I did... Um, I did some study into the into the Wim Hof method, and there's actually some famous studies. Uh, the Radbound study, where he injects himself with the E. coli bacteria, and he eventually heals himself um, through the breathing method, through 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 the cold, through his meditation system. And I, I think there is definitely something within the mind, within the body, within the soul. And I know it sounds a bit um, unquantifiable. It doesn't sound uh scientific but i think there's something to do with the mind and the connection to it that we have um and yeah we have the possibility to i believe that we have the possibility to heal ourselves but it all comes well, back sorry no guys yeah keep going it all comes back to it all comes back to the convenience thing i, I think that's a massive uh it it really is okay so i i know what you mean it sounds a little out there but i mean 
if you put it scientifically, it's basically sort of immune system and stress and response. And I think he's sort of modulating his immune system and his stress response. And yeah, there, there is some very scientific stuff going on there, I think. Right. And, and I, yeah, I haven't been sick. Well, now it's been five years. I haven't been sick. And it's, I mean, you could say it's because I'm thinking positively. Yeah. You, you can attribute to a number of things, but I think what it is is, I changed my food choices and my lifestyle to basically just match what humans always have had as much as I can, right? I live in a modern society, but I'm kind of trying to give my body what it expects. And so you you're correct in saying these modern conveniences, that's the opposite of that, right? Eating fast food and sitting around and doing all these things that we do is the opposite of what our bodies need. So if you just try to mimic that, um, yeah, get in the right mindset, get fresh air, you know, get outside, get in nature, get exercise, have good relations with people, eat the right food, you're going to be healthy. And yes, I think you can influence your immune system by doing each of those things, even just the stress. I mean, there's, you know, there's good data on stress and heart attacks and stress, you know, stress, you're, you're how you think can manifest in your body, right? I mean, I know if I get stressed out, my shoulders tighten up, right? There's a physical thing that's going on. So, I mean, it's not, and, and yeah, there, there's good science showing that there is actual tangible things that happen when you're stressed. So yes, if you do all these things, you can change your immune health and, and yeah, be healthy. What do you think of the Wim Hof method? What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I haven't looked that much into, looked it. into it No, Yeah, not, not, not too much, but I do appreciate what I do know about it. Right. Like different, yeah. Breathing techniques, you know, it, it all kind of checks out with, with general, generally what I get into. Yeah. All right. Um, bringing it back to the, the, um, the food, the food topics. Um, so um, maybe we, we've already covered this, uh, Maybe we can go over it again. Um, how how do you think we got fat and sick in the world? I think you might have covered oh, this. We kind of covered it, but yeah, yeah we no, kind of covered it. No, yeah. no, but I can go more specifically. So, my big thing, I, I'm against vegans, I guess, and I'm against <laughs> the calorie counting world, the calorie counting idea, okay. or this thing. It's like, oh, all it is is calories in, calories out. Okay, this is gonna come around. Don't worry. So, if you think. I mean, in a sense, there is something to do with, yes, if I eat like 10,000 calories, I'm going to get fat. And if I only eat 1,000 calories, I'll get skinny, right? There, there's obviously something to it. But we, th that whole idea of just counting calories and just thinking it's just all about it, this energy balance, you, you miss nutrients and protein and all these things that really matter a lot more, right? So I think the, the, the big mistake that I think we made is... For one, well, the biggest mistake is thinking animal foods are bad. If once we thought saturated fat and cholesterol were bad for us back in the 50s, this, this bad science was done, that kind of screwed everything up, right? So you have that. So if you think animal foods are bad, then you have to replace them with something, okay? And then if you think that all calories are the same, if you're just like, oh, calories in, calories out, then why not just replace them, make a food pyramid where the bottom is refined grains and bread and pasta and, um, whatever crackers you know it's like six to eleven servings of whole of grains and starches which the whole world's copied right after the u.s did so this is where i'm getting to the point of how we how we screwed up how we went got everyone fat and sick is if you think all calories are the same and you just replace good quality protein you know animal fat and animal protein you end up with a very poor quality diet that's that doesn't fill you up really. So if you are just eating, like people can know it's, there's a different sort of satiation level. It's called satiety. If you eat like, or like eat a bag of chips, it's, I could eat a whole bag of chips, like a giant bag of chips, right? It's just like, I could just keep eating them because there's not really any protein or nutrients in them. It's just the fat and carb combination and they're very delicious. So if you kind of think about it that way, uh, well, there's something called the protein leverage hypothesis that scientists figured out where all animals really they even went to insects eat to a certain amount of protein 
Okay. So we, 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 our bodies need a certain amount of protein, no matter what. And so if you gave these insects or mice or whatever, a different food that had a whole bunch of extra processed sugars and fats or something, right? You, you, you basically add potato chips to their diet, right? And you put them into say like pellets and food, right? Where the animal can't tell the difference between the pellets. They will eat way more calories to get the same amount of protein. So in other words, if you give them uh, the correct ratio of protein, you know, like we know that mice need what 15 grams, 15% protein, whatever it is in their diet, we give them pellets that are 15% protein, they're fine. Then if we give them pellets with 10% protein, and so then they would, it would just have more carbs and fat, they're going to eat that much more food to get that same 15% protein, right? They're going to have to eat more of those pellets to get to their 15% protein or well, grams, how many grams they need in their diet, right? For their weight. So that kind of explains in a big way why America and the world became fat and sick, if that makes sense, right? Because if you think that calories are the same, we're just like, oh, calories are calories. So then you, we're eating less protein. We're, we're, oh, meat's bad. So we're eating less meat. So now all of a sudden we have this diet that's based on starches and, and grains and all this type of stuff. Uh, and people, and we see this in the data, you can, you can look at, you know, studies that show what the percentage of people of protein people are eating before and now, and it's, it's a lot less and the BC and disease have just gone up. So hope that made sense. It did make sense. And I'm, I kind of want to add to the back of that. Uh, would you, would you also say that, um, there's been some hidden agendas, I'm not going to say conspiracy theories, but maybe some conflict of interests, um, I think I read on your website that there were some sugar industries that were paying off scientists or something mm -hmm. of this sort to, yeah, fabricate information and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not a conspiracy. It's just for one, well, it's out in the open. A lot of this is just public knowledge, and a lot of it is just basic business, right? It's just people trying to make money, and the the scientists were paid off. Yeah, the sugar industry did pay off scientists. This was proven it was Harvard scientists. It was equivalent of only $50,000 in, in today's money, I think. Uh, it wasn't even that much money, but they wanted the sugar industry wanted to blame heart disease on fat instead of sugar when it, it really well, you know, there's, it's really refined foods is the problem smoking and refined foods is a big cause of heart disease. So we could be refined sugar or refined fats like seed oils. But anyway, they, they did pay off. There's, you know, there's more of these, there's bad science that was done by Ansel Keys. You know, we're going all into this in the film, the 1950s, 60s, like basically he's the one that kind of did some of this bad science that showed, well, in, in he made it show that saturated fat caused more heart disease, right? So that kind of gave a green light. So if, yeah, once he put out that data and it said that and you know, saturated fat, cholesterol, bad for you. That gave the green light to the processed food industry to make all their processed packaged foods. They make tons of money off them. There's a high profit margin. And then from there, uh, the rest is history. They just keep making more money. They do more advertising. They fund more studies to back, you know, try to shift the data to, to fit their paradigm, right? That calories, they're the ones kind of pushing this calories in, calories out. It's kind of like, Hey, drink a Coca-Cola, you know, Coke funds all this type of research too. It's like, it's your, it's your fault. You're not exercising enough. It's like drink the Coke. And if you're fat, it's because you didn't exercise enough. And, and it's just not true. You know, it's just, yeah. that's not how it works. Like on a mass scale, like we, we, we see that the problem is if you're eating these foods, like, like I said, low in protein and just high in these empty refined sugars and in, in, in fats and stuff you're screwed no matter what. So uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's all of this big industry and they, they keep perpetuating this. And they, they, so not only do they have the marketing dollars to you know control the media, all the advertising, all that stuff, they have the funding dollars, right? To fund more studies. They also even have just lobbying too, right? They can continue all the laws and all the things that, uh, that just continue this system. Absolutely. And speaking of Coca-Cola, I'd like to give a shout out to Cristiano Ronaldo for, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the incident. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was quite interesting. That was a good uh, good stand, you know, getting rid of the old sugar, the old sugar and caffeine hit. Uh, I think there's, yeah, I mean, I think if you're really after something sweet, you know, just put like, 
I don't know what 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 would be the alternative. What do you think is a good alternative to Coca Cola? Well, I think for one, I've sort of lost my taste for really sweet foods and sweet drinks. I drink soda water now, flavored soda water. Right? There's like different sparkling water that you know can have some lime flavor. I think it's delicious. You know, yeah. it's Lacroix and all these different brands. Uh, you could eat fruit. You know, like you could eat um, honey. Like it depends on where you are in your health journey too. You know, I, I think people who are, you know, have type two diabetes and are very overweight, maybe you shouldn't be eating tons of fruit and honey, <laughs> but if you are healthy and you know, you can include them in your diet, they're natural foods and they, and they taste good. Yeah, that's that. I think that is the problem that sometimes uh, these foods can take that these bad foods can taste so good that they, uh, they have this addictive mechanism and yeah, it's can be dangerous. It is. Well, that's why, I mean, really just try to just avoid the process, you know, avoid them all together or most of the time, right? You don't have to be perfect, but yeah, I don't know. I'd say, yeah, I mean, I started doing, I, I just lost interest in those foods kind of at least during the week. You know, when I'm out, not out with friends, it's, you know, I just don't, it's not part of my life anymore. And what does your typical day-to-day -day diet look like at the moment? Yeah. I, I I've settled down on two meals a day. I think it's really great to, for many reasons. It, I just also like to eat till I'm full. Right. And if I, I don't like to just, I think snacking's bad. I think you run into a lot of problems. I think eating all the time is bad and you run into a lot of problems. A lot of people just eat from when they wake up until they go to sleep. So for many other reasons, you know, people have probably heard of intermittent fasting. I, you know, I yes. think that's great. Just, I, I barely, I don't even know if I, we should consider it fasting. I mean, you know, it's just like, just not eating all the time is should be normal or that's what we used to do for all of history and you uh yeah fewer bigger meals and eat delicious satiating foods i eat meat eggs fish some you know fermented vegetables that fermenting gets rid of these anti-nutrients i mentioned earlier and uh yeah i mean onions mushrooms avocado just fermented vegetables stuff like that and I just eat that twice a day. It's amazing. I it's it, I can't get enough of it. It's so delicious. I just eat giant steaks, and uh, I don't know. It's just it's great. Is that uh, part of the information from the the primal coach? Um, what's I've been reading up in, on him as well. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, he's the old school, the older guy. The, the old, the, the old, the, yeah, the older guy. Um, Mark Sisson. Mark Sisson, I think it is. Yeah, he was. Um, I think he he does the one meal a day, uh, or two meals a day, I believe. Yeah, he yeah um, he's had all different things over the years. He, he's awesome. He's he, he's kind of he has a book. If you're th if you're talking about him, the Primal Blueprint. That's his right, book. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and he he talks about all this type of stuff. He's been at this for years. Yeah, he's been at this for years, and uh, big inspiration to me. And uh, yeah, he's he's into all these same things. I'm talking about nutrient density. You know, eating fewer meals, doing all the ancestral things we're talking about, you know, like getting exercise, going outside, getting the sun, getting your vitamin D, all this stuff. Yeah, he knows what's up. No worries. And, and actually taking it back to the movie uh, Food Lies, so how long did it take you to actually – is this – It's. I'm guessing it's finished and it's ready to, for uh, release? Or? Not yet. No, I'm oh, working yeah. on it now. I'll, I'll probably get back into it once we get off the line. It, okay. Uh, it's been like four years in the making, you know, we, you know, we going to Africa was part of our last things we need to shoot. We're going to some ranches uh, soon in the, the end of the month. And yeah, I mean, we were just editing, working on graphics. It's, it's a whole process. And I thought it was going to be easy. I'm like, oh yeah, what's, what's going to be so hard? I'll just throw some interviews together. You know, we'll get some nice images of cows, you know, on the grass and we're done. And now it's been four years. Wow, four years. Yeah. And but, well, I do other stuff on the side. You know, it turned into like yeah. my life. So I just do other things. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I'm just curious about your your daily life because, yeah, you seem like you don't seem like the normal, typical person. I mean, you've got things happening left, right, and center. So, um, what I guess what what is a day what does a day in your life look like? I guess. Yeah. Well, I've kind of design my life to <laughs> in a really good way actually where i don't have to have an alarm clock i i love that i i think sleep is super important i always get enough sleep right i, I think i just been getting way more into sleep which we haven't talked about yet but just 
get eight hours of sleep. There's tons of good books, and I just did a podcast I'll release tonight about it. Uh, sleeps big. I yeah, I just get up and start working. You know, actually, I have I have some espresso. I make my own coffee. I think coffee is great as long as you're not chugging it all day. You know, and just going too crazy with it. I think uh, I just start working. You know, I got a stand up desk. I I just work on all my projects. I have you know all these different businesses going on. Talk to people. Go out in the sun in the middle of the day. I read. You know, I'm always reading something and I, I get my son, get my vitamin D thing. That's super important. A lot of good studies coming out about the correlations between COVID and vitamin D and the people who died or end up in the hospital have very, very low levels. And the people who had good levels were fine. So uh, this is a good indication of immune health. So yeah, uh, yeah, I was, I was always out in the sun every day of the last year and a half. Uh, then yeah, I work, I get back to work and then I, I do my, I work out in the evening. I think I'm really a big fan of short, intense workouts with weights or uh, body weight and pull-ups, dips or anything like that. Any kind of intense exercise or sprinting. My, my kind of tagline is eat densely, move intensely. So <laughs> eat less. So people are saying like the Coca-Cola people are like, eat less, move more, right? The classic yeah. stuff is eat less, move more. And, and that's just meaningless advice. You know, that's like someone saying, oh, how do I get rich? Oh, just make more money than you spend. You're like, yeah. oh, thanks, great. So eat less, move more is, is meaningless, but eat densely, move intensely is actionable, right? So the whole thing we're talking about with all the food is nutrient dense food. Nutrient dense food is the animal foods. It's where the bioavailable nutrition is. and um, you know, it's satiating. It keeps you full and all that stuff. There we go. Eat densely. Move I think intensely. hopefully I spelt it right. I don't know if I spelled yeah, it. Yeah, right. you got it. That's that's it. I'm trying to work on a shirt. I want to. I want to eat densely, move intensely. Shirt. <laughs> but uh, that's yeah, the new yeah. slogan of. Uh, I can't take that slogan off you because that's yours. But um, oh, I'll, yeah, that's that's. that's I like that. Eat eat densely, move intensely. That's cool. Yeah. So the densely, yeah, it's all the dent, you know, nutrition we talked about. And then the move intensely, yeah, exactly. It's just throwing around some weights, uh, push-ups, pull-ups, whatever you want to do, and sprinting. I, I'm just not a fan of this cardio stuff. Like to me, this like low and slow cardio is kind of the equivalent of these low fat diets, all the bad dietary advice that people are given, because they just it doesn't work well. It it's not efficient. It's just there's so many problems with it. I don't think people should exercise to burn calories. You exercise for 99 other reasons and you happen to burn calories. And uh, yeah, you probably burn more calories if you move intensely. If you're built out there building muscle, you actually keep continue to, even just from breathing harder after, you, yeah. you, you are burning more calories uh, anyway. But that's not the point, right? The point is all the other health benefits and stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's my that's my day. I guess we kind of got through my day. Is yeah, then I, I work out, <laughs> then I I eat again, then I you know I eat my second meal, get a whole bunch of good quality animal foods. I usually do my steaks at night. I eat like smoked oysters and you know just all oh, kinds nice. of stuff. Do you yeah. do you train fasted? Uh, I do. Uh, well, not exactly. So I used to. Um, depends, but because I work out in the afternoon, it's like I have had my one meal at say noon and then i'll be working out at six so it's not fasted but i mean i i haven't eaten <laughs> for six hours and i i did uh i trained for a decathlon if you've heard of that like the track event the 10 events it's wow. uh in the olympics it's known as the world's best athlete the winner of the decathlon in the olympics would be considered the world's best athlete because it's 10 different events in two days and they're all different events of strength and speed and endurance anyway uh I did that. I did. Well, there's only a pentathlon available for the master's championships of North America, Central America and the Caribbean. So I did that right before COVID. Well, it was two years ago. And uh, I got second place in my age group without even eating. So I, I used to train fasted a lot. Uh, and then the day of the track meet was at noon and it ended at six and I didn't eat anything. Uh, um, Hell, that, but surely <laughs> like I, I, I kind of. I appreciate the idea, but I, I thought if you're going to, I thought that food would, if you're going to compete, food would actually be beneficial. I used, I used to be of the opinion that you could do everything faster, but then I've kind of slowly changed my opinion that um, you need some sort of source of nutrition in your body to help fuel the cells. Well, isn't 
kind of it's it's a yes and no so uh, I'm about to interview this lady. She's the world record holder in her in the older. She's like 44, and it's like the 100 meter masters record holder for women, or something. Or she got first, and she all she would eat before race would be of some steak. She would just have like a couple pieces of steak as her only food about an hour and a half before the race. And so yes, she she was talking about. Well, I know I didn't interview yet, but I know her and you, there is something you need. And yes, the paradigm is that you need all these carbs and all this stuff to fuel you. But really, we're changing that paradigm. I don't know. I mean, it's not maybe optimal. Uh, I, I'm sure I could have. I've actually food. I've actually oh, sorry to cut you off there, but I've actually yeah. um, I've actually been I haven't not haven't been experimenting. I have r roughly been experimenting on myself because I play a bit of tennis. And I've been play, uh, playing fasted, and then I'll switch to um, having a meal before. And just, I feel like um, an hour, I can train fasted for about an hour. Anything after an hour, I feel like I have um, decline in results. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that's just my, that's just my no, experience. No, no, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I should go into more detail. One, it, it it takes years to get fat adapted to be able to do this. And yeah, I don't. I've tried to work out fasted before too. Like if I work on the morning after not eating for you know like fourteen hours, and it doesn't work that well. But then again, I I'm not that used to it. It's just how long your body gets used to something. Mm. So there's, I mean, being fat adapted means that your body has all this fat to burn easily you're used to burning the fat and your body has all the fat and it's so i should also say it's better for m more endurance stuff like there's a guy zach bitter that has the, the world record in multiple world records for the ultra marathons like these hundred mile races and he'll he'll do it on mostly fat like he's not eating all the gatorade and all the carbs and all that stuff he will eat some stuff on the, on the race day for sure but he's heavily trained fat adapted so his body's very used to running on fat so he can run a hundred miles and not have to eat all those weird goos and all those things uh, so often. But uh, yes, yeah, you're right. Crazy. It's not. It's probably not optimal. Look, so I, I play a lot of beach volleyball, and if I don't eat before, I I can do fine for a couple hours. But yes, my. But yeah, then yeah. after, yeah, after the third hour, it's it's it doesn't doesn't go well. I feel like my focus. I, I kind of I lose focus on the ball. Um, after a while, like I just yeah. Well, I can still play, but it's just. I feel like if I have a, yeah, some. Well, are you eating? Them. Well, if you ate a ketogenic diet for two years and then did it fasted, it would be different. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if you did that. Well, I was, I've been fasting at that time for about six months. So but what were you eating? Were you eating a very, very low carb diet? No, not, not typically. Um, that's what I'm saying. It's not for everyone. This is by no means like just general advice. It's, but if someone wants to, if you, this is, this is kind of what I did. It's I'm well, for one, I wanted to change my diet and become fat adapted. And then you become metabolically flexible, which is another thing Mark Sisson talks about. So mm. most people are just totally relying on carbs and they're just eating carbs all day and their blood sugars up and down all over the place. And then I chose to do some pretty much a ketogenic style diet for a number of years, got very fat adapted so that I, didn't have to eat i could go long periods without eating and yeah do all this stuff and then you, the next move is to become metabolically flexible add in some carbs you know whole food carbs and stuff like that and 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 yeah then you can go about your life in a more quote balanced diet but uh that's what i'm saying it's, it's like sort of this long process and it, it's what your your body's used to and not everyone's going to do all this yeah it's a very restrictive style of eating i know when the christmas the Christmas meals come around. It's very, um, yeah, it's very difficult to constrain yourself to that style of eating. How, wow. how did you go though? Like that two, that two, those two years. Like I mean, what, what? So you, that's pretty impressive. So you were, you were, must be drinking a lot of coffee. I'm guessing. No, no. I, I mean, I just have coffee. Well, I mean, I'd eat. I just, I wasn't even hungry in the morning. So people like I eat lunch and dinner. I eat so much food and it's so you know satiating and healthy lots of fat and protein that i i'm not hungry at all it's like i i basically would have to f force myself to eat lunch at 12 so 
I was like, oh yeah, I need to eat. <laughs> so it, it's just what you're used to. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. people who eat one meal a day and they're not hungry all day and then they eat a giant meal and then they're fine. No worries. All right. Is um is there anything do you think we've missed on on the today or anything you want to add? Any anything oh, else you want to add in? <laughs> a little I mean, we covered a lot actually. Yeah, we covered most of the things. I guess the only thing we missed that we don't need to go into, but I just want to throw out there is the environmental side. The well, you know, I don't think that many people well, for one, your diet does not affect the environment that much anyway. The vegans will try to make you think it is and make it this big deal. I'm like, no, that's not it. What what the big problems are, you know, big industry and big, you know, like, you know, flying private jets around the world and stuff like that. That makes a difference. So just I, I would say don't worry about the environmental stuff. Uh, the, the animals are part of the system and they're it's fine. Eat animals. Don't be scared. Don't, you know, buy into this propaganda about climate change. And, well, about animals you know eating meat and, and whatever they they try to claim happens because um it's not true i could give you tens of studies you know studies about it uh, i did a presentation about it you can watch on my food lies youtube channel so, so what you're yeah. saying is you don't like vegans i'm just you know I'm just <laughs> being, not... they're they're great people they just are very <laughs> uh confused very confused <laughs> <laughs> all right um Cool. Well, uh, okay. Well, I'd like to leave the audience with, uh, I'm, I know you mentioned at the start that the most nutrient dense was beef liver. I found that pretty interesting, pretty cool. Um, are you a fan mm -hmm. of beef liver? Uh, not exactly. You know, it's, it's a bit hard to take. There's different ways you can eat it. You can actually, uh, yeah, I mean, my company is a US company, but at Nose to Tail, we take beef liver and the other organs and we grind it up and put it into ground beef. And so you can make like a hamburger patty out of it. So that's a good way to eat it. If anyone, you know, you could try to make it at home. You can ask your local butcher to do it. And uh, it's a great way to get it in your diet without really tasting it. But yeah, it, I mean, it's it's very nutritious. Like my grandparents ate it. Like I don't know if you've heard, right? The liver and onions used to be like a thing people ate or I don't know. If, I had if you... some. Yeah, it's got a very, um, how do I explain it? I don't know how to explain it. It's very dense coarse it's it's very coarse in the middle of the of yeah it's definitely um the texture is weird yeah texture is weird it's irony it's it's irony it's like yeah it tastes kind of like blood it's 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 it is it's, it's weird it's weird but it's um i'm gonna start i'm gonna start eating liver by the day now i'm gonna uh i'm gonna uh, take your advice <laughs> well no just do it. some people do it once a week some once people week. even cut it up and you kind of just you can just like swallow little pieces of it you know, it's like a little pill, but it's like a whole food thing. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up to the hour mark now. And I think, yeah, we've covered quite a bit. So, I might um, I might finish the podcast there. Um, yeah, no worries, guys. Well, uh, thanks for watching. And um, is there any – so, I think we've already covered anything, everything today. So, um, no worries. All right. Well, I might end it there. No worries. Sounds good. Thanks, right. man. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys, for watching. Thank you.